0: Good afternoon and welcome to Stories in Public Health. I'm your host Emily Dieter, and this is a podcast for people who are new to the field or interested in public health and today I've come to the Martha Research Institute to interview Danielle Borg who's the coordinator for the Queensland Family Cohort Study. Welcome, thank you for joining me Danielle. Thank you for having me. So maybe you could start by talking us through what the Queensland Family Cohort Study is.
1: Yes. So it's a longitudinal cohort study. So the idea is to be able to recruit families who are experiencing a pregnancy at the MARTA. So we've just piloted the study at the Southeast Brisbane campus, so at MARTA at South Brisbane. And we want to follow these families... Throughout their pregnancy, give them support, ask them some questions, take some samples until they have their baby and we see them, our last appointment that we have is six weeks. So when the baby's six weeks old. And I guess the idea about longitudinal cohort studies is to understand, I guess in real time, the information that we can gather that could then help with either understanding environmental influences that might affect kind of the origins of disease, and also understanding mental health and well-being. And the idea is if we're able to kind of recruit enough and expand this within the Queens, within Queensland at different sites, to have, I guess, enough numbers to see, is there information that's similar? If there is, how can we help prevent disease? How, how can we inform policy? How can we let the government know that this is an important thing to look at? So I think a thing that people find difficult is to understand, but, but actually, what are you looking at? And the thing is, we're not looking at one specific thing. And I think this is really cool. So I like the idea of being able to follow families and then being able to follow these babies, and then seeing what changes as, as we grow, and can we stop kind of bad things from happening, chronic disease from happening? Can we help future Queenslanders? I think this is this is awesome, and why I'm really interested in the project. And my role as a program coordinator is managing the day to lo- day logistics. So we have research midwives, um, a research assistant, and as a program coordinator, I help facilitate their role but also make sure that everything's running
0: smoothly and I just have a few questions about it yeah how long are you like planning to follow people up for and you said sample so How did you decide – you said you're not really looking at anything specific. How did you decide what to ask people and what kind of samples to take you? Is it just broad? Yeah, it's a
1: really good question. So the PI of the study is Vicky Clifton. So she's my boss. And what she did was, I thought, really good. So she got a lot of researchers back in 2015, 2016 and kind of did some focus groups and asked researchers if if you were to follow families throughout pregnancy and and when the baby's still quite young – what what would you look at what questions would you ask and what samples would you take so would you take blood to look at plasma are you interested in cells that go around the body are you interested in the microbiome and bacteria are you interested in in urine and you know breast milk what what are you interested in interested in and so a lot of the researchers then kind of came back several times to say well this this is what I'd be interested in and these are the validated surveys that would answer those questions as well. And in addition to that, they also thought, okay, what time points throughout pregnancy would be interesting? And so that all came about kind of orchestrated by Vicky, but we had a a mass amount of input from researchers in and around Brisbane, but now we've kind of expanded a little bit more. And so they really shaped when we looked at, uh, when we wanted to talk to people and what type of samples we took. And where are you at the study now? Yes, so we have about 405. 403 families in the pilot study and we started in 2018 so this pilot study was just to first understand is what we're asking okay is this appropriate are families feeling like they're being supported are they filling in questionnaires do they not like some of the samples that we ask of them so we can really focus in on what's important what participants want to really refine the study and so we're coming up to our last six week appointments they'll all be finished next month and so it's been a massive overhaul it's been so exciting we've we started this from <laughs> bare bones bare staff, and we worked really hard I, I, I have to say I'm really proud of our team what was really cool is that through a time of pandemic which you know no one's ever seen before Vic was amazing she she was like you know what how can we still support these individuals what can we do Now individuals, uh, like our participants, um, so both the pregnant participant and a partner, if they had one, would come in at 24 weeks, but we could no longer see people through the pandemic, as you know, so we decided to do a remote protocol. So all our questionnaires were still online, so that was no issue, but with biological samples, we just had to think, okay, well, what can we do what can be remote what can they send in so we couldn't do as many you know plaids if they were to if they were to come in for example for an antenatal appointment we would ask if they could come in and do that for us but otherwise they'd still be supported we would the research midwives would call how are you going like you know is, is it okay and, and kind of talk them through their questionnaires and talk about um, any medications and changes and really have that kind of continuity of care which I think was pretty amazing through a what i could imagine a really isolating time for them so i was very happy that we were able even though it was such a crazy weird time i guess if you take a benefit out of the pandemic we've been able to do a remote protocol so if we are able to expand to rural and remote communities which is our absolute aim and what we really love to do we've already kind of done the the hard yards to yeah, say okay so this this kind of worked, this really didn't so let's just narrow it down so
0: and so what's the next step? So this is the pilot. That's right. Is there a time frame for when you're going to start? The yeah.
1: So it like, I guess all research projects depends on funding. So what we're, what we're doing at the moment is looking at our pilot data. So cleaning our data set, looking at our demographics of our participants and what we're asking of researchers. So essentially any researcher can apply for these samples. Uh, you just have to apply and get like an ethics, uh, ethics approval and stuff like that. But it's to get these samples out and to start asking questions and to look at how we can really focus in on the, I guess, the protocol that we've put out. So does it make sense to continue to ask all of these questions if we find that participants aren't filling in questionnaires, repeated, like not, you know, not filling them out very well, then we say, okay, maybe this is not something that we can really continue with. Or we then might be able to, what I'd like to be able to do is um, have more focus groups with pregnant individuals with people from who have finished the study say hey what did you like or what was really hard or can we do this in a better way to be able to have this as like you know something that can be I'd like I'd like to say permanent in Queensland but (laughs) something that can kind of
0: you know roll out over the next decade that'd be super exciting. And so that's good to know that people can apply for the data to actually do some analysis.
1: Yes and so I think that I think what we need to do now is to get that data out and to advertise and i think that's we're just at that the beginning phase now so we're just just finishing off our participants and once over the next six months we're able to get this data out we'll be able to advertise a little bit more and say hey hey tell people
0: but i don't know that many people in Queensland. <laughs> <who
1: are those. laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah this is we've got to get our social media presence yeah. up uh, so we yes and kind of have a, a website that is noticeable so through the matter research and so i think once we've kind of got this and we can show individuals things that are possible then you know anyone you know anyone can apply and so it's been exciting to see that we've got all these resources but it's been hard to to know that there's these resources but you know people haven't had the time because they've been delayed with the pandemic so it's just it's like a it's a fantastic source just waiting to, to be analysed.
0: yeah <laughs> and I might step back now change tack how did you come to this role so what was your story leading up I know sorry I asked all these questions before I started <laughs> recording <laughs> just for interest that's, so that's I'm gonna ask you to
1: repeat yourself that's fine I did my PhD in Germany so I was always interested I guess in science or maybe it was just more interested in like understanding the why
0: can i ask a quick question yeah why did you decide to do a phd just to even uh get to that i point?
1: wanted to travel <laughs> okay. so on. as a you know as a kid i didn't get to travel much but i knew that i guess there was a big world out there and i wanted to be able to do it i knew science was an international endeavor and And if i could do it in english which because i'm terrible with languages i could i should take the advantage you know and then my partner so husband now but partner at the time i had mentioned this to him i said you know this is what i want to do you know did you want to come and he said yes so it was fantastic it was really i think i did it quite naively to be honest but just went over and had an interview for an international phd program in dresden uh in germany and got interested in a project that concentrated on diabetes type 1 diabetes that is the diabetes that affects kids I liked the idea of it was about regenerate regenerative medicine so how can we improve cell transplantation so the cells that die off in in, in diabetes how can we help replace them and how can we help them survive a little bit better so I did that all in preclinical models so I guess my my background is fundamental research and basic research and Uh, I came back to do a postdoc and I still continued it in the same model in type 1 diabetes, but this time with different therapies. How can we delay that killing of those cells that ultimately causes type 1 diabetes? And then uh, I decided to have a baby and I was (laughs) lucky enough to be able to do so. And then I realised that it's a hard slog. I love research uh, and I love the questions why and understanding and like the new techniques that keep coming up that I have no idea about now but realized I couldn't I couldn't quite do it like I couldn't get there I wasn't my publications were delayed and I wasn't successful in fellowships and grants and kind of had to take a dig, you know a big big step and kind of go okay what do you really want to continue in and and what do you want to do and then it was really serendipitous you know I was speaking to colleagues at MARTA I really liked Marta that it was kind of a collaboration between always between clinical work and fundamental science and kind of that translation in between and uh, people knew that I was going on maternity leave but wanted to come back. I expressed I wanted to come back part-time to begin with because I didn't know how I was going to survive to be honest Uh, and it ended up Working out that the Queensland Family Cohort was trying to get kicked off, and I was able to help learn how to coordinate. Um, the good thing was, is that I knew the collaborating researchers that helped develop the system, so it was it was really nice. I was still able to talk to them. I was able to get engagement because they knew me, so it was kind of just a perfect transition in a way. But I'm still I'm still learning, and that's what I what I lo- I mean, what I love to do. I don't think I'll ever stop learning, but it's really it's really cool to be able to facilitate that research. I think work with a good team. And I even understand like different aspects that I didn't even appreciate. So, you know, the midwifery, in, with the midwifery context and understanding this continuity of care model and, and what they say and how they, and how they do things and with the participants are amazing. I don't think I could ever do this. So it's just really, it's just really nice to be kind of a part of a really caring team.
0: That's really yeah, nice. Absolutely. And I do think I said to you earlier, I think it is a benefit study to have someone who understands research in that role
1: I think so yeah and so having Vic as a PI and kind of having that overarching this is where we need to get to having me maybe as a bit more nitty-gritty saying how can we get there and what do we need to do and then letting the research midwives do their thing which are just is amazing kind of to see and and to have a have really dedicated research assistance, which you know they did a lot of processing we have a lot of samples we did 24-hour placenta collection which was amazing we had a lot of help from PhD students we would come in all hours of the night in this lovely building and you know and be able to sometimes see the participants and say hey well done like it was really it was really sweet I have to say just hearing the babies cry as they you know if you just happen to be outside it was just it's just kind of helps you relive like you know what you've been through and I think it's yeah he's like yes it's like well done.
0: And speaking of kids, you and I have bonded over the last couple of months because we have tried to do this interview a few times. We've both yes, had to cancel. That's right. So um. I really did not appreciate before I had a baby how hard everyone else who already had kids and um, was working at the same time was really working and hustling and trying to make it all work. How do you make it all work?
1: Yeah, I still I still don't make it work. I don't think. What I've been trying to do, I think the this year I've been trying to step a little bit back since having kids I haven't had a lot of time to do introspection and so (laughs) because i have tried to how do I keep kids alive so and I've been reading like toddler books and things as opposed to (laughs) stopping and thinking what's the bigger picture here but I don't think I really do I think the problem that I've had is this imposter syndrome all this time you know I'm going to be found out or what am I doing people say that to me a lot one of the interesting things I'm in this course that I'm in this leadership course this year and everyone feels the same way from all the way up, even all the way up. And you're like, how do you... And it's, you know, specific specifically for women. And I was like, it's really, I wouldn't say refreshing because it's really hard to see other people also suffering from the same thing, but it's just, it's just kind of relieving to go, we're all suffering from the same thing. I think what I need to do is to stop putting the pressure that I have on myself. I think I, I still try to do the full-time role, but I, I, I can't. You know, I guess this year for me has been a little bit more busy and so just trying to maybe I think what I do is ask for help so ask from help uh, from my husband which has been has always been supportive bless him and he you know helps Every day, he helps co-parent. He takes the kids and gives me that break. The tough thing is, though, you kind of while you're having that break, you also have this mama guilt, which I think everyone kind of knows or heard about. You know, where you kind of, go, oh, no, but I should be spending my time with my kids. So I, I still don't think I have it right. I, I don't know whether it's thinking about what makes me feel anxious and kind of going, oh that's interesting. What, what's triggered that? So I think that year, th- this is the year for me to do that if that makes sense yeah i feel like what's re- what's nice is just talking to other people like going how what do you do how do you do it you know and it's been nice to just i think bond yeah bond i with think other the people. talking
0: does help so imposter syndrome stuff i hear so often and I, I think doing this podcast but also being on franklin women with a, you know a lot of other women in the same sort of area hearing people say it now i just don't listen to it as much so yeah i think just having these conversations and normalizing it and then it's easier to ignore it yeah
1: yeah that's it and we someone on this um course that i'm on showed this really cool ted there's so many ted talks now but TED talk about imposter syndrome and this person was kind of like amazing what he did and he's like i still have it i have it every day so it's kind of like learning how like you said how to live with it and kind of use it to your advantage to say okay yeah i don't i feel like i don't know it but maybe i can I can help others or I can learn a particular thing and kind of push through it. So it's like being resilient in a way, pushing through that weird feeling that you kind of go, I don't really, this is my, where I'm kind of not in my comfort zone, but pushing through and realising on the other side, actually, it's not so bad. And yeah, you did get through it and then sharing your experience. I yeah, think that's the, I think that's the best thing. Yeah.
0: And so do you have any sort of advice for people who maybe are thinking about going into a role that's less research focused?
1: I, I mean, I really just stepped into it so I think I mean I really like supporting at least when I was a postdoc and I kind of did that unofficial mentoring for students right I like just being honest and open I feel like I came into things quite naively with respect to research and and (laughs) and which (laughs) which you know and I I still I love it like what I'm still here right so I love it but it's just talking about okay well these are the these are the things that you kind of have to I guess the nuances that you have to think about with a research job but I think now this year thinking about okay what are my values and what do I stand for and do I back up what I say with what I do I think we all probably have places that we kind of hide uh, away from and, and I think that's something that I've kind of done because I've either procrastinated or I was anxious about how do I actually do something I don't know what to do so I think my, my advice would just to be would be to kind of, I don't know, not get to know yourself, but get to know your strengths and maybe talk to people about where, what they think might be good for you to do and kind of take it all on board I th- and and really think where's your passion and be okay with if that passion changes or if you're actually not too sure because I, I think for me, I'm, I'm still not too sure. I do love what I do. You know, will that will that change? I, I don't know, but I'm for now. I'm really enjoying like learning and working with them with an awesome team. So yeah, I think a five um, year plan is plenty.
0: You know, yeah. it's going to change after
1: <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, I think it's just understanding your strengths and kind of. I like what you said. People. Yeah, I
0: like what you said about procrastination too. I'm a chronic procrastinator hmm. and I always look at other people and think I'm the only one that does it. But I will say it has decreased significantly since I started just being okay with asking questions that I thought were stupid. Yes. So I think I realised that I wasn't procrastinating because I was lazy but it's maybe I needed more information. And no one, I can honestly say no one's ever said to me that's a really stupid question. No. You and Just I, give me the information. Yeah,
1: and no one does. I think if you just want to make sure you got something right or you're just clarifying, it's no problem at all. I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned is being able to and I'm still doing still trying to communicate and understand people better I think it also comes from my background and what I have to learn and so and just understanding yeah the places where I could potentially hide so I think I never I don't think I ever really had problems in asking questions (laughs) I I remember from otters like I was like you know this might be a silly question but and I was just asking all my supervisor really silly questions when I think about it but he was he was great and he was like no okay that's fine so I, I think he really enjoyed the maybe the passion that I had and I think I still continue that and ask those questions but i think just be i think i'm just okay with it i'm like don't oh, really nice so
0: that's a good yeah. <laughs> yeah and now i'm just conscious of time yes. so i just was wondering if you could share with us that tip so Social media befuddles us both Mm. equally. But you were saying you went to a course here and they had a really good tip about planning.
1: Yeah, so I guess we were talking about how do you think of the content and things for, say, for example, for Twitter, which is more of like a work context social media platform now, something that we want to start with the study. So we talked to um, someone at Marketing at Marta and they suggested to essentially have a plan. So that plan entailed having an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, I'm sure there's better software, but an Excel spreadsheet having when you're going to post stuff what that like generally will look like with topics so you can help plan it out once a week is fine from my understanding you don't apparently want to overload people so once a week is fine I don't know the particular day I have to go back to it and I forget the particular time but I guess it will differ depending on I guess what country you're in and when when people are looking at stuff but I, I think from memory that it was at in the evening time kind of while people have just kind of switched off work or traveling back from work Sure. They even tell you the time. Yeah, like post yeah, No, it's like it's fully you know it's fully recorded. So they people have kind of analyzed this, and so it's then and then it's understanding what you want to talk about. If you want to post an image, a link, that kind of stuff. So if you start, I think if you see something or if you go, oh, that would be good, you have a place to jot it down, and then. You have that all recorded so you know that in years to come or as months follow you can say oh yeah I've, I did post something like that or maybe it should be different or if you want to repost something to say hey this is really relevant now if something's come up in the news you kind of have it there so it's not like a whole oh where was that thing again it's, it's all about folders and systems and yeah <laughs> having I think a record first thing
0: I've heard that actually really like makes sense in my head so it
1: made sense to me and I was like of course yeah just like everything you kind of have to plan it out just yeah. doesn't come organically although I'm very happy
0: to hear from people who were it company organically i think some people it does yeah, i would love to hear from them. <laughs> absolutely and so is there anything big that i haven't asked about that you want to talk about or cover
1: no i don't think so like we talked about the study we want to roll it out over queensland we need to have support to do that and so that's where we have to get our data out and and reach out to the community because i think that's the problem The community doesn't know about us except for the families who are. In the study, so um, or have been part of the study, so that would be like our major aim because you know we just like everyone else, we're just we're struggling. So it would be great to be able to get that kind of out there. But beyond that, no, I don't have anything else to, mm-hmm. to say. No last <laughs> so, thank you, of, and no <laughs> last
0: big piece of advice or anything. I don't I think you've
1: been covered a lot. Yeah, no, I don't think I have anything. I I just realised the best things that I well the thing that I really enjoy is just talking to people and. It's really nice to have honest and open conversations and so if you can, I think it's like if you support that and people support one another, I think you have, uh, I don't know, much better outcome in life but also in work because we spend a lot of time at work, right? We so, do spend a lot of time at work. So, so finding those people, finding your team is paramount and I think one of the reasons why I love this job is because we have such an awesome team and people really believe in the cause. So kind of having that big picture view and then
0: what you can do to help move it forward i think is is fun excellent thank you very much for joining me thank you for having me and i I will retweet you but i don't have many followers myself so i don't know (laughs) how that's gonna go neither do i it's okay okay. (laughs) thank you all right and thank you everyone for listening